everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Shine Sparkers podcast. My name is Amanda Van Heil. I'll be your host today. And who do we have joining me? Hey there, I'm Darren. I'm the creative director of Shine Sparkers. Hi, I'm Roy. I'm the deputy director of Shine Sparkers. Today we have a very special guest with us, Eric Peabody. You may know him from the Harmony of a Hunter album that came out in 2010. He is a wonderful musician known for some of the music that he worked on for the album. A lot of it's Metroid. Well, all of it is Metroid because it's all Harmony of it's Hunter. <laughs> So Eric, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, hi, thank you guys for having me. So let's go ahead and start off. Uh, what all did you do on the Harmony of a Hunter album? Oh, you mean the Harmony of a Hunter album that came out almost 10 years ago? Almost um, 10 years ago, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I contributed two full tracks on my own. One was called Earth Root, and that was a cover of the uh, Brinstar Red area from Super Metroid. And then another track called Omega Cannon, which was um, the, I believe, the title screen from Metroid Prime Hunters, uh, title screen music. And then I also uh, had some dribs and drabs on some other tracks. Uh, Thunder Shooter was one of them. And that's all I recall because it's a million years ago at this point. It was a very long time ago. Um, Eric was like one of my... I shouldn't really have favorites, but I'm just going to say it for everyone that comes on that's connected to any Harmony project. <laughs> he was one of my favorite uh, people on the project. Uh, but uh, no, but seriously, his Earth Root track absolutely blew me away when I heard it. Incredible. Um, uh, that was kind of the point to me where I thought, wow, we're actually going to make something really special here. Um, and, and it was it was great to, uh, to work with you on that. Very open to... Uh, suggestions and uh, yeah just just an absolute pleasure to work with so I'm really glad that you've uh, joined us here today to talk about them um, what was your favorite of the three like what was your favorite track to work on um it's it's hard to say I I really like the Omega Cannon track in a lot of ways because the the original theme was so sparse that it, it kind of was a, a canvas for me to do a lot of um, stuff with you know you might think of it as soapboxing, and it was. Um, you know, that track was a lot of fun, and I got to do some experimental sound stuff on it, but um, the Earthroot track is the one I keep coming back to. Um, I actually re-recorded that song uh, with my full band, and it's something that we play live most of the time we do shows, and uh, I do a lot of solo shows myself, and it's it's been in almost every performance I've done, the, um, the redone version that I uh, re-recorded. So that one is... Of the three, that one has probably had the biggest impact on uh, continuing music stuff I've done since Harmony. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard it and it's incredible. It's I'm kind of flattered and also amazed that it's sort of withstood the test of time. It's an arrangement that you made that you're still playing today. So obviously, uh, there's a lot of love that went into that track. So that's really cool. Um, was there any challenges when you were making these arrangements? Like, was there any problems where you thought, oh, I might not be able to do this. I might not be able to do this track justice. Oh, well, it's, it's tricky. The, uh, the Omega Cannon one, like I said, you know, um, one of the advantages was that, you know, the original arrangement, uh, you know, the source material is so sparse. Mm. Um, it's advantageous in that you have a lot of latitude with what you can do with it, but that can... That can also be a curse in a lot of ways. Um, I think that my rendition of that song is not uh, quite as faithful to the original as uh, some people probably would have preferred, 
which is fine. This is all, you know, a very subjective thing, doing remixes of, of original music. But, um, you know, that one, I, I remember taking some time. Um, with Earthroot, which, once again, that's from Super Metroid, the Brinstar Red Soil area, um, that was challenging in an entirely different way. Um, the original source is very memorable and provides a great template uh, that lends itself well to the type of music I do, which is hard rock and heavy metal. Um, but that particular song, as well as pretty much every other song from Metroid and Super Metroid, um, approaching it as a metal guitarist, right out the gate, you are, you're running up against an obstacle, and that obstacle is Grant Henry and Metroid Metal, um, <laughs> in a good way, because yeah, in a very he, good way. yeah, he has arranged almost those entire soundtracks, if not those entire soundtracks, and has done an amazing job on every arrangement he's done. So absolutely, yeah. You're, so you're not only right out the gate, you have someone that's already done what you're trying to do and has probably done it better than you can do, but you need to find a way to, you know, find your own voice, um, not just in terms of the original source material, but, you know, this other arrangement that, you know, by by the point that I did Earthroot, I had listened to, to Grant's arrangement of that song, you know, dozens and dozens of times. So um, they both were tricky in their own ways. Uh, you know, ultimately, I'm very happy with how they both turned out. Um, you know, my role in Thundershooter was much more minimal. So, you know, that was uh, not as much my arrangement. And I, you know, can't really speak to um, how difficult or not that was because I was, you know, just kind of a guest spot on that one. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, in terms of Thundershooter, that was a track that I was going to go on next because you collaborated with a musician called Schoenberg. Um, mm -hmm. And at the time, I... I think I'm not entirely sure it was a long time ago, um, but I think he, there was a few problems with it. I think he struggled in a certain area of it and uh, and you came along and you were like, yep, I'm going to help this guy. We're going to make a track together. This is going to work. Um, and, you know, you came in and uh, and did your part for that. So that that was great. Um, that was another example of, um, you know, if you've been really well, you know, really easy to work with and, uh, you know, really happy to just get stuck in and, you uh, and make it work no matter what. Um, just going back to Earthroot, and you were talking about Grant's arrangements, and obviously Grant, Metroid Metal, fantastic uh, quality music, really well, very popular. Um, mm -hmm. Also appeared on Harmony of Hunter as well. Um, but do you think you was at a disadvantage maybe of listening to his arrangements so many times and then thinking, oh, how am I going to approach mine? How am I not going to kind of infringe on what he's already done like was it even more of a struggle do you think of um you know making a new arrangement uh compared to something that you'd already heard um, before? no darren you're absolutely correct um you know i i'm sure we'll talk about this a bit more later but you know i had been listening to uh video game music arrangements for a while by the time the harmony of a hunter project came around and one of the main um remix artists cover artists i listened to was metroid metal um you know, I listened to that long before I actually knew Grant. And for those of you that are in the audience that don't know, you know, he's one of the guitarists in, in my live band and Viking Guitar Live now. Um, so doing that Earthroot arrangement, that was before Viking Guitar Live. That was um, after he and I had had a chance to collaborate on a few other tracks already. Um, but yeah, uh, it, was, it was a very, um, I had to be very conscious of what Grant had already done with that track to make sure that I was able to 
make a version that I liked, that I felt proud of, that I felt did justice to the original, and also managed to stay far enough away from how, you know, Grant had previously done it so that, you know, my song could have its own identity and not just be, you know, the, you know, the poor man's bargain bin version of Metroid Metal. <laughs> um and Which it I, most I, certainly wasn't as well. Well, um, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, we're we're all our own worst critics, but um, I I feel like it it turned out well. Um, there there were some aspects of that song um, that were difficult from a production arrangement, just because at that time, ten years ago, I was working with you know a, a smaller amount of equipment than I have now, and I had less experience with this sort of thing um, in terms of arranging as well as doing the you know the more technical side of the mixing and mastering and all that stuff. Um, and you know you could hand me any song that I did ten years ago, and I could write off the back of you a dozen things I'd wish I'd done differently with it at the time. Um, but especially after having a chance to re-record it. Uh, a few years later in 2014, I think it was, for the first Viking Guitar Live album and actually have a live drummer and other musicians on it instead of just me doing everything. Um, that was kind of a, a nice secondary layer to it because it gave me a chance to look at the original song and find what I was still happy with and then kind of, you know, polish up some of the parts that I wish I might have done a little differently during that first one. Um but yeah, I'm 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 straying from the question at this point. But yes, I I was very very conscious of um, the version uh, Metroid Metal had already done, and uh, definitely wanted to make sure that I wasn't just going to follow directly in those footsteps for you know for a variety of reasons. Sure, sure. Um, so moving on, um, what other things have you done outside of Harmony the Hunter? So for example, Viking Guitar. How did that come about? Yeah, so it's it's funny, really. Darren, it's very funny. Um, <laughs> I, ha, ha, ha. Yes, yes. So I, uh, you know, I've been a metalhead and a guitarist for a million years now. I'm 36 right now. I started playing guitar at about 14 and immediately got into, you know, Megadeth and Black Sabbath and Slayer and all that stuff. And um, like every teenage metal musician, what you want to do is you want to have a successful metal band. And I, I was living in a city called Santa Cruz, California, uh, when that happened, and was having trouble finding musicians for the band that I wanted to start. And, you know, just all the stuff you need to find people that can play their instruments, that have compatible schedules, like the same type of music. You know, you need to make sure no one has a, you know, a drug or alcohol problem, all that stuff. And um, I was running into a lot of obstacles uh, finding compatible people. So at some point I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to do it all myself. I'm going to record an album and then I will find people that want to play this music. And did that. And it was terrible because I didn't know the first thing about recording. And after I finished that, I stopped playing guitar for about two years because I was so fried on music. And a wow. couple years after that, I got back into it. Um, you know, I had some other things in my life going on and decided that it was time for me to, you know, get back into music. Um, but I was rusty. I didn't remember how to record. I, you know, hadn't picked up a guitar in two years. So I, you know, took one out of the case and strummed it a bit and said, wow, I sound absolutely terrible. Um, so I needed something to do that was going to, you know, reteach myself how to learn recording and kind of get my chops back up. And I said, well, before I embark on my serious, very serious metal project that that is, you know, the real thing, 
let me do some versions of video game music. You know, I'd grown up playing video games. I still played video games. I love a lot of the music from that. And um, I kept the name Viking Guitar, which had been uh, the online handle I had through a uh, website forum called The Shiz, which is the fan, uh, fan forum for the mini-bosses, or at least it started that way. And I started entering a monthly game remix competition through there, which I was looking at just as a way to get feedback and kind of learn my stuff. And, you know, fast forward as time went on, I was realizing I was enjoying doing that. I was getting more uh, recognition for for those video game remixes than I was for any of the original music I had written at that point. And so I put out an album as Viking Guitar, and it was fairly well received in the community. And I did a follow-up covering a bunch of stuff from Cave Story, and that was even more well received. And uh, somewhere in there, I did Harmony of a Hunter and started jumping on these other projects. And um, then I went to my first MAGFest in 2000-something teen, 14, 15, somewhere in there, <laughs> and uh, enjoyed, you know, integrating more into the game music community. And uh, right around that time is when Viking Guitar Live happened, and I was lucky enough to get a lot of people uh, that I wanted to be part of that. And, uh, you know, we're spread across the United States, so we don't have too many opportunities to play live unless we're all at a convention. But, um, you know, we've we've put out uh, two albums as Viking Guitar Live. Um, we might be working on another EP right now that might be aiming to come out at the end of the summer or early, early fall. I can't confirm mm -hmm. that, but we might be. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so through all that, I just learned more and more about recording and audio production and started doing more and more stuff with it. And now, you know, primarily what I do is I do mixing and mastering for other bands. I do voiceover for a lot of things. Um, you know, audio has turned into one of the driving things in my life. And none of that would have happened if I hadn't, uh, you know, decided at some point that I, you know, needed to get better at guitar, so I might as well learn how to play some Castlevania and Mega Man stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So very self-motivated individual then by the sounds of it. <laughs> Even from yeah, your age. That, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're all our own worst critics, so I always feel like I yeah. should be doing more or practicing more or all that stuff. But yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. all been kind of at my own behest. Excellent. Really cool. Um, one last question on that. If you was to go back and speak to your 14-year-old self... Uh, and you know what? What sort of advice would you give him, based on what you know now, compared to then? We're just talking about music, right? Just music, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Unless you got something else you want to talk about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just remembering every awkward encounter I had in my teens and how I could have avoided them. Oh, um, right. well, <laughs> we're quite limited on time, so maybe we should just keep it to the music. <laughs> um, we can talk yeah, about I the would, other uh, struggles in a follow-up episode if this. If this gets yes. 500 likes on Twitter. The six-hour director's cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as far as music goes, um, and, you know, this probably applies to anyone that might be listening to this that's just getting started, whether you're, you know, 14 or 8 or 30 or whatever, but um, do it because you enjoy it, and it's important to stay motivated, and it's important to put in the time to get better at it, but ultimately the only person you need to please with this is yourself um, and enjoy what you enjoy don't worry about what everyone else is doing 
trends are always going to change and you don't need to follow whatever might be happening at the time or feel like you need to. Um, success will come to you if you stay with it and if you are doing it for the right reasons. So I do have one question. Um, what is, because I know you mentioned like you started playing guitar when you were 14. Mm -hmm. um, what is your background like as a musician? Was that your first instrument or did you do like other things like school band or anything like that? Um, that was pretty much my first experience with it. I, you know, cool. grew up in a family that was uh, very much enjoyed music, but we didn't have anyone actively playing instruments around me. My my mom had history playing um, piano and violin, but, you know, had stopped long before I was born. Um, but, you know, I got into, uh, in eighth grade, I had a friend that lent me a cassette tape of the live Black Sabbath album with Dio called Live Evil. And I listened to that and I said, oh, this is what I've been missing. Um, so I decided <laughs> I wanted to play metal and saved up some money and bought a really, really, really terrible used electric guitar that I still have and just started practicing. And I was lucky enough to live in a very small town uh, in the mountains outside of Santa Cruz and we didn't have cable TV. And so I started practicing about six to eight hours a day in the summer and you know, saw, started to see some uh, some progress with that and then just went from there. That's really cool. Like now, Eric, are there any other non-Metroid projects you'd like to share with us? Sure. Um, so right now I'm in the middle of uh, working on arrangements for a new solo Viking guitar album called Dead Horse. And this was something that I crowdfunded um, late last year, early this year. And the concept is, is that um, I had a bunch of people that were interested vote on what they thought the most frequently covered video game songs are from the, you know, roughly the 8-bit, 16-bit era. So um, aiming for the end of the year, I'm going to be putting that out and it's going to have covers of songs you've heard a million times already. Stuff like, you know, um, DuckTales Moon and yes! Wild Castle for Mega Man 2, all that, all that stuff where you, you can't turn around without finding another cover of it. So I figured there, there aren't enough. We need more. So I'm doing that. And uh, on top of that, uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just admit it. I wasn't being coy about the Viking Guitar Live album. We are doing it, by God. We have um, a new, <laughs> a new uh, recording coming out uh, towards the end of this summer or early fall. Um, we're still uh, finalizing a track list, but we have started working on arrangements for that. Um, outside of that, you know, I've I'm always doing mixing and mastering work. And uh, you know, if any of you listening have a band and you have recordings that you want to sound better, you can always hit me up. We can talk about that. And uh, what I've also been doing lately is a lot of voice work, um, just, you know, various little things. The, uh, the main thing going on right now is there is a uh, horror story narration competition called Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. And I have been uh, submitting narrations to that and have been fortunate enough to progress to, I think the semifinal round is going on right now. That should hopefully be finalizing soon. So if you want to search YouTube for that, you can find me doing something that is about as far from video game music as you can imagine. And outside of that, I'm replaying Grand Theft Auto San Andreas because I'm desperate for normalcy and we're living in a strange world and I needed to play a game that I've put a million hours into. <laughs> I was about to say, if you're looking for normalcy in San Andreas, like if that's in, if that's in uh, emulation of normal life for you, then uh, I question, you know, what you're really doing. My life choices. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's funny. It's it's uh, it's kind of a comfort game for me just because it's a game I played a bunch when it came out. Um, but the other thing is, is I, I currently live in Rochester, New York, and I'm going to be here for the foreseeable future. Um, but I, I relocated here after living in California for the vast majority of my life um, in the Bay Area of California. And I... I miss it. I miss the weather. I miss the food. I miss a lot of the stuff out there. And, you know, San Andreas is obviously an exaggeration of certain aspects of California. But in terms of the topography and the way that the lighting looks and all that stuff, they really nailed the vibe of just driving around through the coastline. And so part of it is, you know, that it's early May and it was still snowing here in Rochester this past weekend and I'm kind of missing the beach. So there is some real life uh, comfort to be had from it, just not, not in terms of the actions of the characters involved. So since you did work on a Metroid album, it's only appropriate to ask, what are your favorite and most memorable pieces of music from the Metroid franchise? Well, we'll, we'll limit it to a few here. Um, you know, it's, this is probably one of the boilerplate answers to this question, but the main title screen music from the original Metroid is still one of my favorite pieces of video game music ever. It is so ominous and so eerie and foreboding um you know i i played a bunch of video games growing up and i think a lot of them are exceptional in a bunch of different ways but that first metroid game in particular and the title screen specifically feels so strange and so alien and immediately puts you in the frame of mind that you are you are not somewhere safe you are not somewhere familiar and whatever happens, whether you succeed or fail or, you know, whatever is going to happen in the context of the game itself, right away you are transported to that planet. And it's an exceptional piece of music. It's not terribly long, and it has a really beautiful middle bridge section before it reverts back to the, you know, thrumming initial chord that hits. Um, but that's, that's probably one of my favorites entirely for, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, so one other that I really like comes immediately after that, um, when you first touch down in Brinstar for the first time in the original Metroid. And it's such a change of vibe from the title screen music. Um, but it's such a heroic, adventurous theme right off the bat. And it's great because the, you know, the title screen music just sets the tone. But then when you actually take control of Samus, you start running around, you know, you immediately collect the morph ball and you're running through this very alien place, the music for that segment just imbues this sense of, um, of adventure. You know, it's obviously it's, you know, not, not quite in the same direction as the John Williams stuff in the Indiana Jones movies, but it, it always had a similar effect on me, especially as I was, you know, five and six years old playing this thing, that all of a sudden you're, you're in the role of the hero. You're, you're here to do this thing, and you've already got this groundwork laid that, you know, it's going to be dangerous and it's going to be hostile, but then, you know, you're in the driver's seat and you're out to do what needs to be done. And uh, that, that Brinstar theme has always stayed with me as one of the, the greatest heroic themes in video games, and especially 
you know, of that era before we had full orchestrations and sampled instruments and all that stuff. It, it accomplishes a, a great deal with very little. And then the last one I want to touch on really quickly, we're going to jump forward a couple games to Super Metroid. And, uh, you know, I'm, like I've said, I'm unashamedly a metalhead. And the lower Norfare music is just the heaviest damn tune in that whole game. It has choir, you're running around through lava and flames and these ruins with these giant crumbling statues and there's all this chanting and, you know, from a musical arrangement standpoint, you know, they're playing with really um, interesting harmonies that sound very oppressive and, you know, I hate to use the term epic because it gets tossed around for everything from car commercials to game music these days, but it feels very epic and it feels very large and um, almost Olympian, you know, and what you're you're fighting through. Um, but at the same point, it's very aggressive, it's very dark, and it matches the visual feel of that area of Super Metroid just perfectly, perfectly to the point where I can't imagine any other music in that context there and i've heard a million remixes of that song and i still i still prefer the actual original you know snes version of that over any other remix i've ever heard you know since i just finished playing super metroid and my first introduction to the metroid series was probably was well it was smash brothers um i really like Brin star just because that's what i associate it the most with and it's you know, it's just a fun adventure song and I like it and it sets the tone very well and, you know, you recognize what you're in and just seeing everything come alive is just really neat. So I'm going to have to go with Brinstar. I know it's just a generic answer, but that's my answer. <laughs> just, just to clarify as well, which version of Brinstar? Because there's several. Do you mean the one in Smash Brothers or do you mean one in Super Metroid? Super Metroid, yeah. Super Metroid, okay, yeah. cool. And uh, what about you, Roy? For me, it's really any theme that's kind of brooding and dark. <laughs> um, I really like to listen to Rocky Meridia when I'm working or writing something. I guess I feel like I'm running through Meridia as I'm writing up an article or something. Um, I'll, whenever, on the rare occasions when I'm working out, I also like to play some really energetic boss theme like uh metroid primes core essence or or the digger knot theme so yeah that's for me that's really memorable because it's what i've always listened to whenever i've been doing something mm -hmm. so your kind of your love for metroid music sort of complements the things that you're doing in life like if you're did you say if you're working out for example Right. Something that I don't enjoy yeah. as much, or I need a little pick-me-up. I play some Metroid music, and yeah. then I feel like I'm... So it just gets you through. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm playing Metroid sure. again. It's a really difficult one for me, because there's so many great tracks in Metroid, and it's going to be really hard to pinpoint one in particular that I really, really love. Um... And even giving a reason for them is going to be difficult because I like them for different reasons. And I normally apply my logic to liking a song based upon my first experience of that song. So, for example, when I first landed on um, Talon 4 and 
you get that overworld theme and you look up and you see the rain coming down and that whole area and it just makes you go wow and that theme will always stand out to me for that reason my yeah. first steps on Talon 4 in Metroid Prime I think another great theme for me was probably the aquatic area in Metroid Fusion um, just how relaxed and chill it was compared to the rest of the game and I, I just yeah there's just so many great tracks I could I could be here all day um, but those are two that stand out to me in particular. You know, the other, just to touch on Lauren Norfair a bit more, it's it's not just that mm. it fits the area so well, but, you know, the whole game they've built up Ridley as, you know, not the final boss, but the one that you have the strongest personal connection with. And, Absolutely. you know, when you're when you're playing, a, you know, a, a non-sequence break run of that game, Lauren Norfair is the last area you go to before you go up to Torian to fight Mother Brain. And you know that Ridley's down there and you know the confrontation is going to happen. And to get in there and go through, you know, the giant statue of his head to the elevator and go down the elevator and then that music hits, it really sets home from a narrative standpoint that you are approaching a, a large, important part of the game, not just, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, but from a, a plot standpoint, from a character development standpoint. And, you know... It, it's kind of, um, you know, to switch franchises for a minute in, in the Castlevania series, in Super Castlevania 4, you fight the final three bosses and then you get to the stairwell um, that leads up to where you fight Dracula and it starts playing the original title screen music again. And it's a way to kind of bring you back full circle and introduce, you know, music as a storytelling device instead of just something that augments the mood of a place, you know? And similar thing happens in Lower Norfair. You hear that and all of a sudden, you know it's real, you know it's serious. This is this is getting to the end game. Okay, well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you if they want to see or listen to more of your music or want to find you on social media? Can you go ahead and plug all your info there? Yes, I'd, I'd love to. And, you know, first, thank you all for having me here. This has been great, and I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure to have yeah, you. Yeah, we're thank so you happy to have you. Us. It has been a pleasure to have me here. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> okay, you can get out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, you can find all of my stuff pretty much anywhere online. If you go to either, you know, Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, look up Viking Guitar. You can find all of my music there as well as, um, you know, tutorials on home recording um i'm at vikingguitar.bandcamp.com all of my music right now during this whole social distancing thing is set to name your price so if you're looking for something to do to keep yourself a bit more sane while you're stuck at home you know just staring at the wall and re-watching rick and morty for the eighth time you know go download that music for free if you want to kick a few bucks my way you're i'm not going to say no but do whatever you like um, and outside of that, uh, just, you know, hit up your local video game music festivals, whether it's MAGFest or PAX or, you know, VGMCon or anything. Let them know that you love Viking guitar music. You'd love to see him play live there. And then with a little bit of luck, I'll be out in your neck of the woods sometime soon and we can do a show together. Sounds cool to me. <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining us for the sixth episode of the Shine Sparkers podcast. My name is Amanda Van Heil. You can find us at shinesparkers.net, and we'll see you next mission. See you next mission. See you next mission. See you next mission, and keep the world metal.
guys ready? Yes. Yep, ready. Oh, I suppose. <laughs> we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And today we have a very special guest with us, Eric Peabody. He is from Metroid... I just saw Metroid Community. I need to stop like looking at the outline while I'm talking because then I start saying what I'm reading. What can I? What's anyone hear me? I'm not hearing yeah, Amanda can. or anyone. Okay. I can hear you. I can hear you too. Yeah, and I can hear you. If anyone is there, I can't hear you. I've yeah. To maybe do that question again at some point because I kind of rambled on too much there. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll fit that in later on. It's like, just, just answer the question and we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just answer the question. Uh, I didn't know this was going to be an interrogation. I'm sorry. Um, Is that a yes or no? no? <laughs> just yes one syllable. Or no. Spotlight so you on admit you it. Well. You admit yes. it. <laughs> I admit it all. I've been living in Grant's shadow for years. Um, oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a confession. <laughs> Okay, well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you if they want to see or listen to more of your music or want to find you on social media? Can you go ahead and plug all your info there? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And um, <coughs> I'm sorry, we need to cut that. I had Pepsi stuck in my throat. So <laughs> <laughs> now that's a we will scrub back about <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> podcast was edited by Torby Brand, with music by Maserati. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider following our social media pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For the latest Metroid news, community features, and exclusive content, check out the website at shinesparkers.net. See you next mission.